So this morning we have a special guest, um, Pastor Tim Lee, comes from Pathway Community Church, one of our sister churches. Uh, I've known Pastor Tim for a long time. He actually grew up in my neighborhood. And uh, a few years ago, he was part of our congregation with his family back in the mid-90s. I think back, day, uh, back then you had more hair, right? Yeah. So um, he's a gifted speaker. He's a wonderful teacher. He's a, a great worship leader. He's also an amazing youth guy. And some of your children probably have seen him if you've ever been to, uh, they've been to Gems Camp, and he's a speaker there for um, uh, Gems Mount Hermon. And so a lot of you have been exposed there. He's a former, or I guess maybe still leader with WACF, off and on. So if you've been in campus ministry, you've been in contact with them. So Pastor Tim, uh, why don't you come on up and share the God, word of God to all of us this morning. So why don't we give him a wonderful welcome. Hey, all right. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm excited to be here. I was here um, around like 8th, ninth, 10th grade. And so um, <laughs> it was nostalgic coming, you know, walking in this morning. The doors opened, and I felt like I was going to walk in. And I almost made a, a left turn through the doors to walk to my old normal seats to sit down where I always used to sit, right behind my youth leader back then. Um, but uh, it was different this time. Um, man, I'm so excited to be here um, to speak to you guys. Um, Pastor Andrew uh, had asked me on a few different dates to come speak, and um, I don't know if you guys know, but a lot of times when churches are doing pulpit exchanges, you're, you're always asking other people and, you know, hey, you know, Pastor Andrew, can you come speak for our all church retreat? He goes, oh, it's kind of busy. I'm like, we'd really love to have you. It'd be perfect for you, da, da, da. And, uh, you know, we know it's a sacrifice. And so Pastor Andrew actually spoke to, at our all church retreat. We know it's a sacrifice for, for him to come. And so um, after that, then he started asking me, hey, Tim, will you come speak at CLC sometime? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm kind of busy. And so I actually had to say no a couple of times. And then this one, I was, like, as, as each successive request comes in, you feel more guilty saying no, especially after he came to speak for us. But then he said, hey, we're going over a series on the Psalms. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to make this work. Um, the Psalms are one of my favorite topics to speak on. It's one of my favorite books to read, um, meditate on, pray, um, sing, um, and so um, that, was, that was an extra hook. Just being back with CLC, being back here is, is always largely appealing to me and be able to serve alongside um, some amazing people. Um, but being able to talk about the Psalms, um, this is, I think the Psalms are, for me, one of the best ways that I um, can connect to God and express myself a lot of times in words that I didn't have myself. And so sometimes you'll be reading the Psalms and you'll read a lament and you're like, man, I'm going through so much, but this is exactly how I feel. Or you'll be reading a praise and you're like, man, that's, how I would, that's, that's what my heart has always wanted to say, but I've never had the words. And so when you read through the Psalms, you get these really cool experiences where David or some unknown writer writes something and, and it's, it's been the prayer of your heart to express something to God in that way. And uh, it's, it's awesome because what you want to say to God, God is providing to you through his word to praise him with. Um, and that's just amazing. And so um, today I want to talk to you guys uh, about Psalm 56. And this is, um, I don't know, this is, I, I don't like this phrase, but it's one of my favorite psalms. 
Um, one of my favorites is a weird phrase because you can only have one favorite. Um, but it's one of my favorite psalms. Um, and it's, this is actually something that I, anytime I go to a, a youth camp or I'm speaking at another church, this is kind of one of my go-to um, introductory messages because I think um, it lays a solid foundation on our ability to interpret who God is and what he's teaching us, and, and that grows our intimacy with him. And so uh, whenever I give messages, um, I, have a, I have a secret. Um, I give my main point and all the goodies out first so that if you guys fall asleep or have to go to the bathroom or anything like that, you already have the whole thing together. So um, this is the main point for today, and this is pretty much everything I'm going over. Psalm 56, um, praising the word of God goes so far beyond valuing the sentences in a book. uh, Being in awe of the essence and character of God can lead us into an intimate connection within his presence that will give us strength in any circumstance. I hope and pray that all of our fire trucks continue to fly. And I'll explain that later. Um, But praising the word of God is something that is so important and essential for us to do. Um, Let me read Psalm 56 to you guys. Um, You can definitely read along. I'll read the whole thing, and then we'll jump into looking at uh, what, what this psalm is, is crying out and singing. Psalm 56, verse 1, be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me. And if you guys are looking for a, a fun verse to misquote, uh, men hotly pursue me is one of my favorite ones to put out there. <laughs> People will say, hey, everyone, you know, on Facebook, post your favorite scripture and just put men hotly pursue me. Um, so, Get a good response. Okay, um, what David is talking about is people are pursuing him to attack him, um, to try to conquer him or rid him. Um, so not what you think of when you think of hotly pursue. Um, but this, this is an idea that, that actually comes out a lot in the Psalms. Um, what used to happen is when you conquered a, a certain people, um, they would flee. So if you were overtaking a, a, a city or a kingdom, then the people that were there, when they know they can't win, they start running away. Well, instead of just getting into the city and being like, yeah, we own the city now, you would pursue them um, to eradicate those that were fleeing. And so most of the time this is used in the context of war, um, not jumping into other psalms. I think uh, you guys will be going over Psalm 23, if you haven't already, at some point during the series, but um, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Um, surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. It's the same word, but it's talking about how God relentlessly pursues us, even if we're fleeing or running away, um, to overcome us. But instead of in war, it's overcoming us with grace and mercy. Um, so this is a, it's a really cool word. Um, so be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me. They're, they're running after me to overcome me and conquer me and take over my kingdom and eradicate my family and my lineage, okay? All day long they press their attack. My slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? All day long they twist my words. They are always plotting to harm me. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, eager to take my life. On no account let them escape in your anger. O God, bring down the nations. Record my lament and list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. And by this I will know that God is for me. 
In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, O God. I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. This is a, it's a really cool psalm. And, and when I had come across this, um, I had this feeling that I was going through something where people were after me. Maybe not in the same way as, as David being attacked, but you just have those moments where you're like, why is this person out to get to me? Or why are they saying what they're saying? And you can always turn to the Psalms to find some comfort that you're not the only one that is going through whatever you're going through, whether it be an issue with family, um, a coworker, um, husband or wife drama, um, friend at school, whatever it is. But there's those moments where you feel like um, everything around you is, is not just fading and, and, and you're being tired and hurt, but where you feel like everything is ganging up on you, where you feel like even just life, the, the person driving next to you on the freeway cut you off. And you're like, why does everybody hate me, right? Like everything just starts happening to you and you start to get this feeling. And so this is one of those psalms that I would turn to, God, be merciful to me. God, all day long I'm being attacked. And whether it's someone I know, whether it's um, the enemy who is making all these things happen around me, why am I being crushed and why am I being hurt and why is all this coming down on me? And so I would read this psalm and be like, man, David, your faith is so huge. Because he says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And then he says, what can mortal man do to me? Right? So God, whatever any human can do to me, that's nothing. I trust in you instead. And that's a beautiful, beautiful phrase. Especially when you unpack what mortal man could have actually done to David. Okay, let's think about this. David is the king of this huge empire that he helped rally together to take over all this land. And so now there are people coming after him. There are people trying to conquer him and take him down as king. And sometimes it's outside groups coming in to attack him. Sometimes it's his own son, like Absalom, um, chasing after him. And he's running out of the kingdom going, man, my own son is trying to kill me, to overthrow me. And so it's not just outsiders, but it's, it's people inside. And so what can mortal man do to me? Think about that phrase for a king back in this time. Well, you can have your whole kingdom destroyed. Uh, they can murder you. Or worse yet, they can capture you and torture you. They can destroy all of your children to ruin your lineage. They can um, do all these horrible, horrible things. And yet David, knowing all these things, knowing that all these people are after him, thinking that they want to do these things to him, is going, God, I trust in you. What can mortal man do to me? Nothing in comparison to the power that you have. And so just this idea that anything that happens on this earth in comparison to God and who he is and what he can do, it's nothing. And so I always thought that that was, that was so beautiful. And so there'd be times where I'd be going through something tough. I'd be going through moments where I'm like, God, I just, why? This, is, this burden is so heavy and it's hurting so much. 
and people are saying these things about me, whether it was in college, um, I was at a, I was at a Christian fellowship, and um, my freshman year, I was at WACF, woohoo, WACF, anybody, no, okay, <laughs> we talked earlier, give me a, okay, um, so I was at WACF at SF State, and uh, you know, first year there, I was a freshman, but I helped lead worship, I got involved, my second year there, I was on core as a small group coordinator, my third year, I was core coordinator, my fourth year, I started to transition out, um, in my extra half a year, I, I didn't go to WACF at all. And so um, during that fourth and fifth year while I was transitioning out, um, a, a rumor started to spread about myself and my roommates that, that we had fallen away because, because we didn't attend WACF anymore. And, um, and so this rumor had started and there were, we found out from our friends still in the fellowship that there were people telling the younger people in the fellowship, hey, don't hang out with Tim and his roommate because they're falling away. And I was like, okay, God, people are spreading rumors and lies about you, and they're attacking me and my roommate. And so we had to go up to people, and we had to pull them aside and be like, why are you guys saying this? They're like, well, we don't see you at fellowship anymore. And I was like, yeah, because when you guys are having your events on the weekends, I'm at home at a youth rally leading worship or leading worship on a Sunday morning or I'm helping out with this other group, or I'm doing this, or we're having a Bible study or a prayer night that's separate from fellowship because we're transitioning out of college. Oh, I didn't know that. I was like, okay, it's just side note. Fellowship is not the, whole, the definition of what a, what a Christian is, right? And so I'd be going through this and like, okay, there's, there's attacks and there's people saying things. And Okay, God, I trust in you. Okay, God, it's, it's okay. Whatever they're saying about me, my reputation in this world doesn't matter as long as I'm doing what you want me to do. I'll follow that. And there are other times where maybe I'm doing something in ministry that someone else doesn't agree with and then all these emails swirl around to different people and never gets to me until someone finally comes up and goes, hey, people have been telling you, like, God, what is this? All this stuff happening all around me. And maybe that has happened to you at work or at school with your friends or whatever it might be, but there are just these moments. And so David is well aware of all the things that are happening around him and all the things that are being said and all the people that are conspiring. And he goes, God, in comparison to you and my love for you and understanding your power, none of this matters. And as soon as you get that perspective, then you can let all the burden of those other things fade away. It's not that they're not there anymore, but you say, God, this burden that I have that's pulling me down, I trust in you. God, will you oversee that? And would I trust that you have power over that or you have a reason to use it or you have the ability to conquer it, but you have a plan for it? I will trust in you. And I love that uh, if you jump to Psalm 56, verse 7, that David always has faith in God, but he could always still express himself fully. Verse 7, Psalm 56, verse 7. It says, On no account let them escape. In your anger, O God, bring down the nations. And this is a kind of a weird prayer to have in the middle of, of God's holy scripture. God, would you, just, would you just take people down for me? Right? God, these people, they're attacking me. Would you just, would you just eliminate them? Would you pursue them? And, just, and God, in your anger, God, would you just, right? 
And there's these other psalms that are called imprecatory psalms where David will write the most horrific things that end up being scripture, right? Like, God, will you smash their babies upon the rocks? Would you? And you're like reading this, you're like, what? This is in the Bible? Like, why, how is this holy scripture? Okay, if you guys get a chance to, I know you guys have the, that awesome Tim Keller book, but one of my favorite books is Reflections on the Psalms by C.S. Lewis, okay? And it is totally not a C.S. Lewis type book. It's, it's a very, uh, I mean, it's, it's not super wordy. It's not really that hard to read, but his, his interpretations of the Psalms are amazing, okay? And so he's reading this and he's going, man, this is, he, this is really weird that this is scripture, but he goes, I realized when I was reading this how real and genuine we can be with God, that we can express our anger in full. But when you read those Psalms, you always notice that at the end of those Psalms, he goes, God, would you destroy my enemy? Would you take them down? Would they be like a snail or a slug on a hot day, right? Would you just take down these people? And then after that, he goes, but God, I will trust in you. Or God, you are the judge. Your will be done, basically. And so David here, when he's saying, all these people are attacking me and they're trying to take me down, he says, look, God, would you not let them escape? In your anger, would you bring them down? But in God, I will trust. In God, whose word I praise, I will trust in you. So he goes, God, this is how angry I am and this is my prayer and this is what I'm crying out, but I trust that you're going to be the one that judges. I, judge, I trust that you're going to be the one that, that does what you want to do. And so the more I got into this psalm, the more I came back to it over and over again, the more I, I was able to, God, okay, things are going crazy, but I trust in you, I trust in you, I trust in you. And sometimes it would work, and, and sometimes I would be reading it, and I, I, this burden would never leave my shoulders. And then something started to stand out to me. Okay, if you read Psalm 56, starting in verse 3, there's a chorus that comes back twice. It says, when I am afraid, I trust in you, verse 4, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? And so up to this point, I had understood, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. God, when I'm afraid of what's going to happen around me, I, I trust in you. I give it up to you. I'll, I'll let you take control. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. Same thing, just different order, right? What can mortal man do to me? In comparison to God, this is nothing. But the beginning of verse 4, for some reason, I'd glossed over I glossed over over and over again. It says, in God, whose word I praise. And this was something that finally when my eyes caught it, like, how did I miss this? And so I started to have to, I started to dig through what does it mean, God, in, in whose word I praise? What does it mean to, to praise the word of God? I mean, what does it mean to praise in general? When we pray something, we, we see it, we think about it, we desire it, and then we talk it up. We can't stop. We, we give it praise. Like it's, like a, it's like an Asian auntie talking about her favorite nephew, right? You know, and, and if you're, you know, your mom's talking to you like, oh, hey, good, you got, you got five, five A's and a B, but do you know about you know, do you know about Johnny, your cousin? He got straight A's, right? Like that's, this is, there's this prayer. Oh, did you hear that Johnny got gold medal in his tournament? Or did you, you know, like these things that keep, it's this praise. It's TV shows we watch. And, and we, we praise them like, 
oh my gosh, did you guys see the last Walking Dead? It's so crazy. Like, oh, it's so cool. Or like a baseball game or a team or the Warriors, right? Oh my gosh, did you see the Warriors play other than game seven last year? Did you see the Warriors, right? And you, man, Steph Curry the, has the craziest shot I've ever, and you're, you're talking about it. He has the craziest shot I've ever seen. This offense is so amazing. And you're praising it with your words and, and you're, you're lifting it up and you're thinking about it and you're having conversations about it and it's never leaving your lips, right? We sing that song, right? Your praise will ever be on my lip. When you praise something, it, it just doesn't stop. It's always on your lips. It's always on your mind. It's always there. And so I started to question, do, do I praise the word of God? And I wrestled with this back and forth for a long time. Like, do I praise the word? And what does it mean to praise the word of God? If I'm praising the word of God, is that idolatry because I'm not praising God? And so I went through this huge back and forth. And um, it seems ridiculous, but I, I just went in my mind into all these different scenarios and what I think praise is like. And I started to realize that our praising the word of God is like a fire truck. So if you guys will indulge me for a second, um, it's a fire truck I bought, if you guys can see the sticker, dollar spot at Target, right, about eight years ago. Um, this, is, this fire truck has seen a couple thousand students in its lifetime. Um, and so I started thinking about a toy, a fire truck. And so if you guys imagine like a three-year-old, you know, boy, it's a family party and People are already coming in, and there's a knock at the door, and grandma and grandpa come into the door, and of course the grandkids run up, grandma, grandpa, right? And uh, grandma, always spoiling the grandchildren, pulls out toys, and she gives a fire truck to the three-year-old. And the three-year-old gets the fire truck from grandma and goes, oh, fire truck, right? And this boy runs over and goes, auntie, look, fire truck, right? Uncle, look, fire truck. And they're so, so excited, right? And then you see him start to play with it, and he'll start running around, and it'll start driving on things, right? And everybody's kind of watching, like, oh, that's kind of funny. Like, it's so cool. It's so cute that he likes it. And he'll be on the ground just driving, and he hits a wall. And he kind of looks around, and he goes, and it starts driving up the wall, and the aunties and uncles are looking like, oh, silly kid, like, fire trucks can't drive up walls, right? And so he's like, and he's like, there's a fire behind you, oh no, right? And he can't reach any higher, and so he looks around and he goes, oh. And the fire truck starts to fly, right? And we're like, silly kid, right? Fire trucks don't fly. I'm going to the fire, Psh, I'm helping you, right? Whatever kids are doing when they're playing. And so this kid is having so much fun with this fire truck, and it can do everything. And so he's playing with it the next couple of days, and it's rescuing people, and now it's a submarine, and now it's doing all these crazy things, but it's always able to help people wherever they're at. Whenever they need help, it'll always get there. And then a couple years go by, maybe it's even just a couple of weeks, and this kid is has the fire truck out and goes up and goes, Mommy, uh, iPhone, please? You know, like, no, you don't need an iPhone. Go play with your toys. You know, what about your fire truck? Oh, okay. Shut up, iPhone, please. Right? 
And you're like, no, you know, keep playing with your toys. More and more years go by. Um, kid grows up, eventually gets his iPhone, goes, grows up even more, finishes high school. He's packing up his room, getting ready to move to college. So he's cleaning everything out, and he looks up on one of his shelves, and he sees his old fire truck sitting on the shelf. So he climbs up, and he grabs it, and blows the dust off. He goes, man, remember this? I remember when this fire truck used to be able to do anything. This fire truck could drive up walls. It could fly. That was silly back then. And then he puts it in his box to bring to college with him, right? But there's something in him that says, I wish, I wish I was like that again. I mean, I wish I had that imagination or I could have that fun. A lot of times I think that this is what it's like with our Bibles. There's a moment when we first get our Bibles and we're, we're looking at it and we're reading it. We're like, this is amazing. This Bible, this, this word, it can do anything. And you're reading it and you're looking and you're like, look, auntie, Right? Jesus could walk on water. This is amazing. We go to someone else like, Jesus raised people from the dead. Jesus healed the lepers. He healed the blind. This Bible's amazing. This word is amazing. It could go anywhere. It could do anything. And anybody that needed help, it would do it. And so we're reading the Bible, and it's going so far beyond what we think the limitations of this world are. And there's a point where we're holding our Bible in our hands, and we're reading it, and we're going, whoosh, because this Bible is flying and it's doing things that it shouldn't be able to do, but it's changing our lives all the time. God, would you just change my heart? Would you renew me? And you open the Bible up and you read the scripture. And it's, God, that's exactly what I needed to hear. This is amazing. Or God, I feel so alone. And you flip open the Bible and you see, I will never leave you nor forsake you. are like, God, this is amazing. Sometimes I feel unlovable. I look in the mirror and I hate what I see. And you open the Bible and it says, God is love. Or you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, your word is so amazing. This Bible is just flying and it's doing all these amazing things. And then a couple years go by, or maybe it's even just a couple of weeks, and you're looking at the Bible and you're reading it and you go, you know what? This is, it's not quite enough. I need something else. And so you're going to someone else and you're going, Pastor, I'm not being fed. I need more. And as pastors, we go, hey, go read your Bible. And you go, okay, John 3, 16, for God to love the world. I need more. I need Piper, right? And I need, I need C.S. Lewis after I just promoted one of his books. Okay, I need C.S. Lewis. I need, I, need some, I need a commentary. I need expository. I need, I need all these different things to understand, you know, this is there. That's fine. But I need, I need more depth. And we forget about how amazing this was. And then maybe more years go by. And one day we're walking around the house cleaning up. And we see our old Bible and we pick it up, and we blow the dust off. And we say, man, I remember. I remember when I would read this scripture, and it could do anything. I wish I could go back to that. See, here's the thing is, the Bible never changes. God never changes. The difference is us. In the beginning, we are praising the word of God. We can't stop talking about it. We can't stop thinking about it. We can't stop reading it. And we memorize it. And we say the scriptures. And it can do anything. 
And there are times where we stop praising it and we look for something else. We look for more depth. We look for more truth. And so we forget the power of this and we praise this Bible less and we start praising something else. And then there comes a time where we look at it and we go, silly me when I was younger and I thought that that was enough. See, God has always been enough. He will always be enough. The question is, do we continue to praise the word of God? Now, what does that mean to praise the word of God? See, there's more to it than just praising the words in a book. Because we know when we read John 1, right? And this comes through all parts of the Bible, this repeated idea that Jesus is the logos, that he is the word right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light that shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You can even jump down to verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, the word is Jesus. And God is the word and the truth. Jesus, in Revelation, when he's writing uh, the, the letters to the seven churches, in Revelations 2 and 3, he has these, each of the letters, he has a description about himself. In one of the letters, he goes, I am the amen. He's saying, I am so true and so honest and so continuous that I don't need someone to affirm me. Back in that culture, if someone said something, someone else would have to come up and say, amen, it's true, it is as he says. Right, it's like the, the 90s version would be like, if you say something like, oh man, that Warriors game was awesome, and someone else comes up behind him and goes, word, right? That's, that's amen, okay? So it's, that's, Amen. It's, so whenever someone ha- said something, for it to be validated, someone else would have to come up and say amen. Jesus says, whatever I say is already verified because I am constant from beginning to end. If you read Titus chapter 1, in the introduction of the letter itself, before you even get into the meat, it says, God promised eternal salvation. But there's a little part in between. It says, God who does not lie promised eternal salvation before time began. Before God even created anything, before God created the world and the sun and set it on its axis to spin, before the beginning of creation, God promised eternal salvation. His promise he made before he created anything, before the fall, he had a plan for salvation that he will keep true through revelation. God is constant and he is the word. When Moses is with God and he says, God says, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to go to my people. Who shall I send? God says, tell them. Or who shall I say sent me? Sorry. God says, tell them the I am. Yahweh. He says, I am that I am. Or the phrase would be, yesterday I am, today I am, and tomorrow I am. Saying, I don't exist within the constraints of your time and I don't change over time. So yesterday... I am what I am now. Today I am what I am now, and tomorrow I will be what I am now. I will never change from before time till after time. Not just my promises 
like in Titus, and not just my truth, but my actual essence never changes. So let's put all this together. If God and Jesus himself is the word, and all these words are descriptions of God's promises and God's character, God is love, God is holy, 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 right? God is unchanging, all these things. That means when we read about God through his word, we are not just reading words about God. We are literally connecting with the essence and truth of God himself. Because Jesus is the word and the word became flesh. The truth is God. Now one way that that's expressed is through language and through words on a paper. And if the moment we reduce God or the Bible to just being ink on paper, we lose the power of realizing that those words represent an eternal truth that is unchanging. Now, the God that we worship now is the same God that created everything. It's the same God that allowed the people to walk through the Red Sea. It's the same God that resurrected Lazarus and healed the lepers. It's the same God that sent Jesus to walk on water, to die for our sins so that we could be forgiven for all of eternity. But some 2,000 years later, a lot of times we look at it and we go, I don't know if I want to study this book. I want to encourage everybody here to try to get back to that childlike faith. And it's something I struggle with all the time. But to get to that point where you could look at your Bible and be so excited to play with it. To be so excited to pick up your red fire truck and just to see it fly. And the more that we praise the word of God, the more that it's on our lips, the more it comes into our hearts and our mind and our meditations, the more we'll be able to trust God no matter what we're going through. The worst days we can look at and go, God, you've gotten me through worse. You've gotten other people through worse. You made all these promises, so I'll trust in you. Because the promise that you made 2,000 years ago is still true today because you are actually the same person back then as you are now, and your word is that true. And so, God, I can give up the worst things in my life, and God, I could give up the best things in my life and turn all that over to you. And God, would you be my substance? Would I praise your word and your truth and your being and your essence and your character? And would that give me fuel to live? There's a student that I met at Mount Hermon this past year, a boy going into ninth grade. And uh, after Mount Hermon this year, he's from Southern California. He um, was hospitalized in NorCal. Uh, because um, he has some health issues, but started to have early signs of heart failure. Um, and so, um, talking to his mom, she's just, you know, hey, just pray. And um, all these, it was just in and out of the hospital, kind of back and forth. And uh, it, was, it was crazy. It was a crazy time. And so, um, a few weeks kind of going through this, being in and out, you know, mom and dad started to write a blog so that people could get updates. And uh, this kid's name is, is Ian. And uh, 
he writes his first blog, and he puts it up uh, the day that I'm leaving to speak at another camp. And this is what he wrote, um, amongst other things. But he says, praise Jesus. Please praise God. If it were not for him, I would be dead. He is the reason I have life eternally. Everybody is moving towards death, some faster than others, but God is good in all of it. This is a 14-year-old. And so he's writing this. He's saying in his first blog, he goes, please, just praise Jesus. Just praise God. There are so many reasons to praise him. Just praise God. Would, would his truth and his essence be on your lips no matter what you're going through? says, if it were not for him, I would be dead. He is the reason I have e- life eternally. I mean, I have life beyond this world. And so he's facing this medical issue. And he says, everybody is moving towards death, some faster than others, but God is good in all of it. What an amazing heart from a 14-year-old, from a, from a kid who's holding his Bible and just watching his fire truck fly across the sky as I'm paid to be a pastor, talking to people about the power of the Bible, and as I'm reading this, I'm in a place where, like, I'm not letting my fire truck fly, and I'm like, man, this was such an amazing reminder, and I found myself in tears as I was reading this. Actually, over the next 30 days from that time, um, Ian had moved to being on the the heart transplant list, and um, one day, a couple weeks ago, he got moved from uh, being 1B on the list to 1A, being the most urgent. And uh, within 24 hours, he actually got a new heart. And so I don't know how I got in. I'm on the, a text thread with, like, the family and some friends. I don't know how or why, but, like, I'm just seeing videos of people. They're taking videos of themselves when they're finding out about his new heart after two months of, of being in and out of the hospital. And people are, like, crying. And, like, I'm sitting there. There's a bunch of people that are, like, taking videos together. And they're, like, crying and praying and laughing. And I'm sitting by myself, like, just crying silently on a couch as I'm preparing a message for the next day. Um, and I'm trying to tell Yumi, my wife, and then, but I don't know. I was just, it was really emotional because we've been praying for this kid for two months since July. Um, but his heart, praise God with every breath that you have, just, just let it be on your lips. I want to encourage you guys that whatever you're going through, um, whether it be a tough time, whether it be a, a really great time, or I think especially if it's a time where when someone asks you, do you have a prayer or praise, right? If you have a prayer request, you're going through hard times, you know you are, and, and sometimes it's hard to admit it, it's important to do that. If you're going through a great time, it's important to recognize it and give thanks and praise God. But I think a lot of times when someone asks me if I want prayer, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't have have any glaring prayer requests. I also don't have much to give thanks for. And I've been realizing that that's an issue that I have to deal with because I'm not seeing all the work that God is doing. Because I know God is doing something every day. And so it's my prayer and my conviction for myself at this time in my life Uh, and for all of you, that we would always have a reason to trust in God, that we would always have a reason to praise his word, no matter what we're going through, bad, good, or just neutral, 
that we would be seeing God and what he wants us to become or how he's challenging us or how he's blessing us and growing us and that we would always be praising him, that we would always be praising the word, the logos, that we'd always be praising Jesus and with his constant character on our mind, with his truth in the Bible on our hearts, that we would say, God, whose word I praise I will not be afraid, and God, I trust what can mortal man do to me. God, I'd lift my life up to you. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, I am uh, so blessed to be able to, uh, to join in um, just the greater family that you've put together in this world. God, I pray that you would um, be restoring us and be renewing us to people that have a childlike faith. And God, whether we're like David and we're at a point where things are crashing around us and people are attacking us or the enemy is trying to, to bring us down, God, would we be able to stop and say, God, all these burdens, I trust you with them. I will praise your word. I will praise your promises that say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will lift your burdens off you. I will take your yoke and instead take my yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. God, if we are at a point in our life where things are going amazing, God, would your praise forever be on our lips? Would we not be able to stop talking about your word and your truth and everything that you promised us and how you've come through? And would we be giving thanks, not just in our hearts, not in our silent prayers at home, but uh, amongst our friends, amongst our coworkers, amongst people on the street, would we just say, man, today is a great day and God is shining upon me. And God, some of us are just kind of in that middle road where maybe we've had this fire truck and we used to let it fly. But God, maybe we're at that point where we're like, I'm just, for some reason, I've been looking for something deeper, not realizing that, that your word is enough. That your truth and your essence is enough substance to sustain me. And I love that this church is fasting. And I love that they're saying, I'm going to give up, whether it be food or something in my life, I will sacrifice and let that go in comparison to knowing you, God. And God, would you use that to bring people back to a point where they can look at your word and see how it flies, see how it breaks all logic, goes beyond anything that people understand in this world so that it changes lives when life shouldn't be changed, so that it pulls us out of the depths of sin and anger and hatred or hurt, something that happened 20 years ago, maybe we need to let go of it and that's always held us back from truly opening up. God, whatever it is, would we find freedom in that because we allow your word and your truth and your essence to be so close and so intimate with us, God. That we see your word just take off and fly. Jesus, would you bless this time that we have to worship you your essence and all that you are. Singing names and, and truths of what you are and letting that be our praise and our worship in response to you, God. Would you be glorified and would your praise be on our lips, your word and your truth be on our lips, that you are glorified in this world, God. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.